Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real ghost chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Gordon tells us about an unwelcome encounter with his dead father-in-law, and Lori tells us about a dead logger who looked for his wife and daughter for years after his death until she helped him find peace. Then there's Victoria, who shares her story of a long-dead pig, Edna June, who still watches over her ranch. Did you know a cafe in Anchorage, Alaska is haunted by the ghost of a woman who was blown to bits by a hired hitman? Once in a while, Mary Ann will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. These are just a few of the stories you will hear, and these stories just keep coming. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, a charter member of Author Masterminds, and your host on Real Ghost Chatter. Today, I'll continue reading from Raven's Cove. If you are at home, grab your favorite drink and settle into your favorite listening spot. If you're on the road, stay safe. In either event, enjoy. Chapter 2, A Man on a Mission. Josiah Williams walked into the sun's warmth and made his way through the crowd still gathered in twos, threes, and fours. They say the body looked like a rag doll, drained of blood flat as a pancake. Josiah slowed his pace, listening more closely, purple and black oozing from the eyes. The familiar pain of grief shot from his stomach to his heart. Tears spilled from Josiah's eyes down leathery cheeks. Oh God, no, not again, he cried. More bits and pieces of conversation bombarded his ears. Josiah became certain the destroyer of his own home and his family so many years before now resided here. Why here, O oh God, why now? His strength waned. Josiah sat down on a bench. Behind the bench, a sign read Cassie's Salon. A 60-ish woman, just coiffed and smelling like salon chemicals, swept out of the salon's glass and wood door. Cassie never says a bad word about anyone. What a lamb she is, Ransom the older woman said to a younger woman with cherry Kool-Aid colored hair. Yes, although sometimes I wonder why she's so good and her life is such a wreck. Husband left her estranged from her parents. Why would those kind of relationship troubles happen to such a friendly and sweet person? Don't know, it is a shame. Both women continued down Maine, their conversation melting into the loud buzz on the street. Josiah knew all things were not as they seemed. The hidden secrets destroy our souls, he whispered. Just look at me, not long ago, or maybe very long ago. I was a drinking, laughing, jovial man who came home to a wife and children every night after relaxing at the local bar. Nice fellow, all my drinking friends said of me, he smirked. They did not know. I sure presented a kind persona to all who knew me. All but my own family, that is. With them, I became as mean-spirited and evil as I pretended to be pleasant and affable to my buddies. The day of my home's destruction, I didn't even go home. 
Instead, I celebrated my big raise and flirted with Jane, the town's most available young woman. An hour later, the devil paid a visit to my small hometown. Josiah wiped back the angry tears and stood up. What's done is done. Convincing Pastor Lucas would not be easy. It is never easy to speak of the spiritual realm in concrete terms, Josiah thought. Been there, done that, bought the whole outfit. Josiah winced at the sad memory of one of his wife's many sayings. I should know, not very long ago, my view of God and the spiritual world could be described as agnostic at best. My advantage is knowledge. I know Lucas is already fighting a battle with evil, clothing itself as light and a friend of God. But how do I convince him of this fact, Lord? Josiah walked up Main toward Birch and took in the small mom-and-pop shops of Raven's Cove. There stood the all-important general store, which sold everything from bolts to TVs. Through the window, he could see a food aisle on the left. Better check the expiration date, he thought. The library sat across the street, the largest and newest building he had seen so far. It sat at the town's center amid dead-looking birch, mountain ash, and willow trees of late autumn. Knowledge is a pride to this small town, he mused. I wonder if wisdom is as well. Next to the library, almost joined to it, stood the town hall filling in the rest of the square. Only the library rivaled its ornate architecture. Two lions flanked either side of a large arched doorway. Its gray concrete exterior made it oppressive. Large Greek-style planters sat in front of the lions, a few geraniums still fighting to maintain their scarlet colors, but losing the battle to the cold days and even colder nights. The crimson blooms underscored the coldness of the structure, giving it a most sinister look. It's not just the way the building looks, Josiah thought. It's the way the place feels. Josiah imagined how the green trees and beautiful flowers of spring and summer disguised the building's oppressiveness. But just as light throws truth on what lies in the shadows, the bareness of October exposed the structure's personality. The building had a power of its own and dwarfed the larger structure to its right. Josiah took his eyes off City Hall and focused his attention on the rest of the street. People milled in front of the hardware store. He imagined it housed the essential odds and ends needed to keep a home or business in decent repair during the long winter to come. A combined eatery and coffee shop came next. The rich coffee aroma drifted back to Josiah on a light breeze as a customer opened the door, pulled on his coat, and started up Main. Josiah shivered. The breeze chilled him, but his senses discerned something much more sinister in the air. He quickened his pace. Time is shorter than I first thought. Josiah caught the unmistakable stench of iron and blood in the wind. A malicious snigger assaulted his mind's ear. He made a quick turn to his right and froze. There, two storefronts ahead, a dark cloud oozed in a square mist from the minuscule area around the door jamb of the blacked-out entry. The murky fog took form. It stood on two semi-transparent limbs, like a man coming out from a crouch, and first walked, drifted, then walked again until it disappeared up Main. Josiah looked at the sign over the door. Adults only, it shouted in bold red lettering. Centered below the scarlet lettering and even larger writing, the sign read, The Trash Bin, Occult and New Age, Adult Entertainment Section. Josiah turned back to Maine and followed the dark being up the street, where it stopped, first shocked, then sent a vibrating terror through him. The fog hovered at the door of the Congregational Alliance Church, right beside a placard stating, We all love you. Those who believe are saved no matter your lifestyle. Come join us. 
Josiah slowed his pace to study the blackness crowding the church's door. He watched as a mid-thirties, red-haired, ruddy-skinned man walked through the foreboding shadow to unlock the church. A wide grin replaced the grim, serious mouth in a flash. At the same time, his neck rose, stiff, as if he looked down on this world, and no one knew better than he did. He walked into the church. Is he lost, Lord? No answer. Josiah shrugged. Not surprising. The answers are not at my command. More often than not, they came later rather than earlier in his missions. Josiah started toward the long stairs to the church. He wanted to warn those inside of the destruction hanging over the place. An unseen hand pushed on his chest, strong and gentle. The command coursed through his heart. No, Josiah, today this is not part of your battle. Josiah hesitated and then turned, fighting with every thread of his being to obey. For the third time in a day, tears welled up in his topaz blue eyes, spilling in silence down his weathered-lined cheeks. Memories and emotions flooded his mind. He smelled the burning flesh and saw the deformed bodies. He grasped his elbows in both hands, bent over and dry-heaved. Why, Lord, must I wait? You can make me invincible so I can kill the thing which has killed my heart. Why must I continue to live and not have vengeance? Josiah's foot hung in midair, ready to stomp the concrete. He stopped short and stood like a pelican in the water. Too old, he muttered. Sure as life, I'd fracture something and then who'd have a good laugh. An older body and a youthful mind are always in conflict. I know, Lord, vengeance is thine, he whispered and bowed in reverence to God. Josiah's meeting with Pastor Lucas took on more urgency and he quickened his pace. Uniform white homes with shutters replaced his view of the church building. Little houses on the hillside, he began to sing, remembering the old song about all houses being the same and made of ticky-tacky. The town fell behind. The sidewalk ended, giving way to a rudimentary trail full of dips and holes. He opted for a brush-covered, one-lane gravel road, which looked less hazardous than the path. He observed several driveways going nowhere. They sliced into the thick brush and ended 10 feet in. Abandoned hopes are hopes for the future, he wondered aloud. Even in late autumn, the tenacious green grass pushed its way through dry brown leaves. Where no sun warmed it, the surrounding vegetation bent low under the weight of the night's frost. Did you send me on a wild goose chase, Katrina? Josiah walked a bit farther. He spotted a small, dirty white structure. He recognized it from his dreams, the dreams directing him to travel to Raven's Cove, so far from his home in what the locals here called the Lower 48. He proceeded up the paint-chipped wooden steps to a porch in similar disrepair. It looked to be about the same size and from the same era as most of the houses in Raven's Cove. What differentiated it from the others were the words over its door. Let all who enter here enter to find salvation in the truth, the way, and the life, Jesus Christ. Josiah smiled and said a silent prayer for God to go before him so he, Josiah, would speak God's truth to this pastor, this shepherd for the Most High. Chapter 3 Visions and Disbelief Paul Lucas spent a fitful night, a night full of violent visions and unseen foes. He rose early. May as well get a head start on Sunday's sermon. Hours later, he still stared at a blank computer screen. Nothing. Paul tiptoed from his desk to the closet, aware any movement would alert his resting spouse. Continuing in stealth mode, he sneaked down the stairs, managing to avoid the one which always protested in a tone loud enough to wake the dead. The front door secure, Paul headed down the outdoor steps and arrived at the small church he poured his heart and soul into over the last several months. 
The right Reverend Plotno and his quote-unquote elders attacked Paul at every turn. His own congregation started to question the word of God, and he didn't know why. His shoulders slumped in weariness. Paul prayed, Precious Jesus, grant me courage. Let my heart be at peace. You told us to give you our burdens. I feel like I have, Lord. So why am I so weary? Am I wrong to have come to Raven's Cove? Did I just imagine you wanted me to be here? Paul sighed and continued, Forgive me, God. I am a sinner and a human. I am dust and I find comfort in the fact you know it and love me anyway. Help me to do your will, O God. Help me, please. The door squeaked open, reminding Paul of the need to oil it. The morning sun bathed the makeshift pews in golden light. Paul turned toward it and squinted into the brightness. A man who looked to be in his 70s, or then again maybe in his early 50s, walked through the church door, purpose guiding his steps. Josiah held out his hand as he approached Paul. Reverend Lucas? Probably another of the right reverend's parishioners sent to discourage and maybe even threaten me. Anger colored Paul's cheeks. He stood rigid, both hands at his sides. I am Paul Lucas, not a reverend, but a minister of God, he answered. The right reverend Plotno used any instance to remind Paul and others of the fact Paul did not attend seminary. Paul's studies were through a Bible college in his hometown of Missoula, and those studies were by correspondence course. Somehow Plotno found out. You aren't a real minister, he said. Correspondence school, you're a fake. People should send you packing. Remembering the right reverend's words tore a new hole in Paul's heart. He may be right. Paul's confidence plummeted to a new low. I should have stayed in Missoula and worked the ranch. Paul focused on the man in front of him. What can I do for you, Mr. Williams? Josiah continued to extend his hand, but please call me Josiah. What can I do for you, Mr. Williams? Josiah sighed and lowered his hand. I come on most urgent business. I have been sent to help you. Cynicism replaced shame. I've heard this before. Erwin Ramstead, a staunch member of the Congregational Alliance, offered Paul a large sum of money to leave Raven's Cove and never return. To help you with your moving expenses, he'd said. It didn't work then and it won't work now, Paul thought. I don't need the kind of help you're offering, Mr. Williams. Please leave. I have work to do. I have never come to offer you help before. I am here to talk to you about a matter of great import, a matter of life and death. We must speak. I have been sent by God. Paul believed in a more authentic scenario. This Josiah Williams represented a new attack by the CAers. Have the Bible thumper become involved with a loony commanded by God? I do not believe you. Go to the right reverend and tell him this plan won't work either. Now again, please leave. Josiah stood in silence, not taking his eyes off Paul. The man's clear, transparent eyes caught Paul off guard. They reminded him of the rich blue of the sky on a crisp, cold Raven's Cove day. He shook his head. Josiah took a deep breath. I do not know a right reverend. I do know a humble Jewish carpenter who is my king, who told me to come to this church in this town. God, please provide wisdom, Paul prayed. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath. Maybe you are who you say you are, and God forgive me if I am wrong. If you are not associated with the Congregational Alliance, then you do not know how I have battled to establish this humble church in this town. If you are associated with them, then you know all too well the slander and schemes I have endured in the past month. All I know right now is I am not willing to risk disparagement of my family in this church. Now please go. Josiah sighed again, heavier this time. What now, God, he thought. The answer came before he finished praying. Revisit him tomorrow. He will understand more by then. 
Josiah turned to Paul. I will return tomorrow. God bless your day with truth and understanding. Josiah strode to the entrance and opened the door. I'd rather you didn't come back, Paul answered. The noonday light outlined Josiah's frame with a bright silhouette. Paul watched the older man place the well-worn black hat on his head, but not until he cleared the threshold. As the door closed, Paul caught a glimpse of a second man standing so close to Josiah they could have been one. His height dwarfed the old man's tall frame. An electric blue light swirled and danced with each man's movement. Paul shook his head to clear his vision. Just what I need to start hallucinating angelic beings. A whisper with the strength of a thousand stallions plowed through the cynicism making a home in his heart. Not a hallucination, Paul, but a vision. Relief and hope flooded Paul. Yet as quickly as those feelings rose, he pushed them from his consciousness. Where has hope gotten me? Paul remembered arriving in Raven's Cove full of a small child's optimism. He learned the devastation of crushed dreams and innocence born from naive belief those who professed to follow Jesus Christ told the truth. I will not make the same mistake twice, he vowed. If you enjoyed this podcast, I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you'd like to know more about me, go to maryannpoll.com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash M-A-R-Y dash A-N-N dash P-O-L-L. Until next time, may the wind always be at your back, the sun on your face, and the good Lord walk beside you.